right, good morning, church. See you, kids. I know you don't want to go. You want to hear me. But you're going to have a lot more fun over there, trust me. Trust me. Uh, take out your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And real quick, just let me give you a heads up of where we're headed. September the 25th for this campus is a, a key moment that's coming up. And um, it's an opportunity for us to rally together. I believe the Lord is at work. And it's a, an opportunity for us to rally together, to think through, and to look at how we can invest in this campus um, and come together and invest in this campus uh, for the future and solve some challenges that we have on this campus. Look at the potential that's here. It's incredible. Um, and it's going to be called a Vision Sunday. And I say Vision Sunday. I know I just had a Vision Sunday, but that was for the whole church, all Bannigburn, all campuses. This is a Vision Sunday for South Austin. We're going to talk as a South Austin family. We're going to talk about the gospel ministry, what that looks like, our community, the future. And we're going to look at what we, some challenges that we need to overcome on our facility, as far as our facilities go on this campus in order to impact 20 years into the future and reduce some of the challenges that we face in being able to do that uh, on this campus. So please mark your calendars, September the 25th. It's going to be Vision Sunday. It's a rally together for that very purpose. I plead with you to be here, be present and uh, engage with us, I, and I believe the Lord is directing our steps in all of this, and I'm really looking forward to that day. So I really want to encourage you to be with us September 25th. I'm going to be unpacking the whole campaign vision on that day, so, so please uh, plan on being here, okay? We are in week two of our series, Back At It. We are back at it in all kinds of ways. We are back at it in school, students, amen? Okay, all right. Um, let me, this would be better. We're back at it at football. Yeah. This week I went, I had Wednesday night football game, Thursday night football game, Friday night football game. And I was like, man, I could do this every week. <laughs> My kids are cheering at one, playing at another and all this. It was all, it was all really, really awesome. Um, but in many ways we're back at it. You know, if you, you remember going on vacation, some of y'all went on vacation. You ever come back from vacation, isn't that, just a, isn't that a bear? Uh, will you ever come back from vacation and you have to re-enter into life and the routines and everything, all the voicemails and all the, you're just like, oh, right? Sometimes back at it can just be woof, you know? You just, you're coming off vacation and all of that. And I know that a lot of that is happening uh, to us right now. We're feeling a lot of that back in the routines, back to the grind, if you will. Um, so we're taking this time to talk about what does it look like to get back at it with God? You had better believe that every Christian is going to have many moments in their life where they feel the need to get back at it. They've either gotten distracted with something, and that's, that's tent. We all like sheep have gone astray. That's what we do. We, we get distracted at times. The other things happen. We get knocked off the path or whatever. Some of us enter into massive mistakes. We have... Uh, collisions in our life that just throw us off course. There's all kinds of things that can distract us from being on the path. And, and many times and many opportunities in the Christian life, we need to know the principles of what it looks like to get back at it, to get back with Christ, to, to get back centered in our faith, get back on the path that Christ has us on in our lives. And so we're just taking a couple of weeks, and this is the second week, we'll wrap up today, about what that looks like biblically. And we're, we looked at uh, Peter last week on the beach of the Sea of Galilee, and him being 
uh, sort of reinvited back into the ministry from a massive failure that he had in his own life. And that failure wasn't just a failure where it was all pain in his life. Actually, the failure served a lot of good in his life to show that he shouldn't rely on his own strength. He was so strong and then shouldn't be relying on his own strength. That actually, he needed a, a great dose of weakness in order to be a powerful leader for the kingdom of God. And Jesus brought that out in his life, but he did it on a beach. And he, and he re-invited him back in uh, to the ministry. And Peter would become a great leader because of that failure, not in spite of it. I mean, it, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool. And so we looked at that last week. But if you're feeling a sense of that you need to rededicate in some way, whether it's a small rededication, a, a trajectory shift, a slight trajectory shift, or a total 180 repentance, um, that's what this is all about. And if you have to do that, good news. You can do that right now. You can do that while I'm talking. Because uh, the Christian life, he's, he's died for everything. He's already died for everything. He's already paid the price for everything. And the whole distance between you being distracted and carrying a burden and carrying regret and, 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 and defeat to victory and walking with Christ all again is this process called confession and repentance. And aren't you, great, aren't you glad that in the Christian life, going from defeat and failure to victory is not a performance spectrum? No, it's confession and repentance. It's coming to Christ and owning up and letting him have you, all of you, fresh and again and offering your heart and, and getting his forgiveness and getting reconciliation with him. It's confession and repentance. And why would the Bible talk so much about confession and repentance if it's something that we wouldn't have to do quite a bit? We will. We have to do it quite a bit. And it's, the good news is it's a freeing thing. It's a soul-liberating thing. It brings life to your soul. It's not a hurtful thing. It's a kind of a painful process sometimes. But it's a good process that brings life to our soul, and we should do that. And that's what this series is really all about. And we're going to look at another principle today um, about being back at it with the Lord. And it's really kind of aligning ourselves now. We, we looked at Peter last week. This week we're going to look at Paul. Paul's perspective and the way that he thinks about life and living for Christ and and. All of his life, from, from, from the time he was uh, come to Christ to the time he died, he had this vision for his life given by the Lord. And he operated according to that vision, like laser focus. We're going to look at that. And I think all of us have to have that, uh, especially when we're thinking about reengaging with Christ in our life. And we're going to look at those principles here this morning. But I want to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 down to verse 1 of chapter 4. Okay, so I'll read along with me. Let's let the Holy Spirit... Talk to us and illuminate our hearts and our minds as we read Holy Writ from the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many 
of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, um, many years ago, by the Holy Spirit, you carried a man to put these words on a page because of something that was happening in his heart and in your church and in his mind. And you put him on a page and you have supernaturally preserved those for your church. And you have used this text in millions of ways over the last 2,000 years in the lives of Christians. And Lord, we pray that it would be true here today. That it would not just be words on a page, but that we would capture the heart of Paul, but more importantly, the heart of the Holy Spirit for our lives. And so teach us. We are yours, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Paul is writing to the church in, uh, in Philippians, in Philippi, and he's talking about his calling in the gospel. You see, Paul had a dramatic calling to a, a high position as an apostle, um, and he had like lightning fall, and it was very dramatic, and he had a very specific process of God bring him in, in, into the church and then using him as his instrument and to suffer for the gospel all of all of those things he's talking about in here and he is trying to live out and fulfill in his life and he's even expressing that in the text what he heard on the road what happened to him and what Jesus has said, you're going to have to live. You live according to this. You're going to suffer much in my name. You're going to spread the word and, and, and to all the Gentiles. And Paul has been doing this ministry and he's been suffering greatly because of it. And he is thinking about his life as like this is where it's at. Um, the calling of God in my life and finishing, finishing really well. And I want us to just dip into and immerse ourselves into the mentality of Paul today about the way he thought about life. Because although his calling was is, is in, in the in moment that he was called is much more dramatic, perhaps, than many of ours. Um, and maybe his calling was a larger calling as an apostle than all of us would have. The principle still remains the same, that you have a calling and that you're to live up to that calling and that you want to finish strong, and you need to adopt the mentality of Paul. The same mentality Paul had on his life, although it might be very different in your context, it's the same principles that you should apply and the way you should see life as well. And Paul says in the very last verse this word. He says, guys, stand firm thus in the Lord. In other words, what he means is, this is how, what I just said, this is how you stand firm in the Lord. How do you as a Christian take every measure available to you to make sure that you don't deviate? 
How, how do you take every measure uh, available to you to make sure that you don't go back, that you don't get distracted, that you don't turn back when it gets tough? How do you put resources into your life? How do you look at life in a way that makes you stand firm all the way to the end for Christ? How do you do that? How do you not get distracted and fail and do those things? How can you maximize those moments in your life, your daily life, where you stay faithful to the Lord and you walk with him faithfully? How can you do that? Paul says, this is how. And so the question is, Paul, how? What did he say in the text that helps us know how to stand firm, to walk with the Lord? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And he says, follow my example. In other words, look at things the way I do. Think about life the way I'm thinking about life. Live it the way I'm living it. And he's not saying this to the other apostles, to be a good apostle, like that's some other level. No, he's saying it to the whole church. Live your life the same way I'm living my life, the way I view life, the things I give myself to, the, the way that I dedicate myself to certain things. This is the way I think about life, and you need to stand firm by thinking about it the way I think about it. And so that's how I want to unpack it today. The principles of getting back at it from Paul, living life according to his view. God had a purpose for Paul. And God has a purpose for your life, and that's point number one. God has a purpose for your life. Maybe that's too cliche to where it doesn't land hard and awaken you to some reality because you've heard it so much. Don't let it be that. You are on this planet as a human being in the flesh for a reason. You are in the mind and heart of God from all eternity. To be here right now in this moment and praise God in Texas, in the U.S., and at Bannockburn. Okay, yeah, all right. So. But, but that's no joke. And that's not just cliche. That's real. That God is real and God, in all of his sovereignty, in the counsel of his own will, determined that you would live and you would live right now. And that you would make choices and you'd have experiences and you'd have people and you'd have context. And you'd have economy and you'd have law and you'd have oh, government. So, you're going to have all of these things, and he would determine that you are here right now, and he has a reason for it. There's a reason for you being here. And Paul lives in this oxygen. I have a purpose for my life on this planet. It is large, it is huge, and I am consumed with the fact that in my body and in my lifetime, as long as the time is ticking and I'm right here and the heart is ticking, I am fulfilling a predetermined plan of God, purpose of God for my very existence. You have the same thing. You have very much the same thing. God has a purpose for your life. Whether or not you are operating according to it right now, or not, that purpose is still there in your life. No exceptions for anyone. Every human being, Paul himself said in Acts 17, was put where you are for God's purposes. 
God determined that you would live where you live. That you would be in the context that you are in. You didn't choose to be born in the year that you are. God did. You didn't choose personality. You didn't choose body type. You didn't choose your parents. God did. You're here because of him. Your existence has a reason. And man, our culture is losing touch with this idea. They are seeing themselves as a mistake. Molecules just colliding together in random processes. And man, are they now devaluing their own importance in their own life. And they're living purposeless, meaningless lives. No wonder anxiety and depression is on up and the right. Because you as a human being, made as a human being by Almighty God, have certain needs. And the one big need you have is that you have meaning. And you do. You can deny that. You can stuff it down. You can reject it all you want to your own detriment. But it's real. God has put you here. And if you receive anything else, first start with that. There is a reason for your existence. There is a reason for your existence. And you are loved more than you can ever imagine by the God who made you. Secondly, Fulfilling God's purpose for your life should be your main goal in life. It should be the thing that drives you every day more than any other drive on the planet. Paul said in verse 12, I press on to make it my own. In other words, I don't just want it to be a calling. I want everything God has planned and purposed for me to come to be and Therefore, I need to make choices every day that align with his plan for me, for my existence. Every day I need to make sure that I go and actually put it into existence. I make it my own. I do it. <laughs> I choose every day to do it, to do the thing God had planned out. Uh, this is the way Paul viewed about it. Then this is something only you can do. No one else can live God's purpose out for you, for you. No one else can do it. You have to own it. And he says, I make it my own. And you have to determine every day that I am going to make choices every day to more fully align with the purpose and the, for the reason for which God has me existing on the earth right now. I'm going to come into it fully, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to make it my own. The question is, what is your main goal in life what is the one thing that really drives you you say is can it be multiple things yes but there's one main one there's one main one we're all living for one big something and it may be hard for you to discover what yours is you may not be aware of what it is you may just not know. This is driving me at my core, and it is my God. That is your God. And if that thing is that something that's driving you is other than the Lord, the Creator, it's an idol. And you can be unaware of an idol in your life. You can be. You can be driven by it and just not even know it. But the Holy Spirit, one of the great works of the Holy Spirit is to show you how you are mastered by something you are unaware of and you don't even know it. He does it all the time. He did it to me. He does it all the time in my life. 
Praise God. But what idolatry will teach you is that it, it's the law of diminishing returns. As long as that thing drives you, there's a little bit of a rush that comes from it, and you kind of have a delight in it, and you'll like it. But the longer you live and the longer you let that thing, if it's not God, drive you, the more it takes. It's like a drug. The more it takes to give you that satisfaction and the less it actually produces. It's the law of diminishing returns. And what happens is it's called empty. It's empty. And you keep chasing it and you keep, it keeps driving you and keep driving you. And all of a sudden your, your satisfaction is going down. Daily, but it's requiring more for you to get what you used to have. And it, it requires more of you and it's giving less to you. And therefore, you end up dissatisfied and miserable. And that's how many people live their lives. They don't even know what's driving them. It's idolatry. It's like a drug. And we can live our whole lives for the wrong thing. Being driven by the wrong one thing and suffer the consequences of that in our lives for sure. And to follow Paul's example... What he would do, is, what he would think about is I'm putting as number one, everything else is secondary and tertiary. Everything else comes next. The one thing that drives me above all the other things, and that also determines what I say yes to and what I say no to on a daily basis. All kinds of little things are all shaped by the one thing that drives me, and that is the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ, the one who died for me. All other things Next. Everything else. And if you follow Paul's example, fulfilling his purpose for your life, for your existence, should be the main thing and all other things fall in line after. One way you can discover what your main goal is in life many times is you have a circumstance happen and anxiety just goes off the chart in your own life. Well, anxiety is based on fear, and fear is based on losing something or, or something. And it could be that life is putting its finger on your drive. That's one thing that's driving you, and it's threatening it. And your anxiety is going up. One way, one way to discover that is through heightened anxiety, through something being messed with. That is your one thing. It's one way to discover it. The Holy Spirit uses that all the time. What's driving you? What is truly your number one in your life? Paul would say the glory of Christ and fulfilling my whole reason for existence in him. That drives me. Next, fulfilling God's purpose for your life comes with great reward. If you're thinking about fulfilling your, your purpose for your existence, it's not just to say I did it. Paul wasn't driven by just crossing the finish line. Paul was driven by the exceedingly great carrot of reward that the Lord put out for him. The reward was incredible. So the sacrifice was worth it even if it's my own life. Because that is worth it. The glory of Christ and the reward of Christ to me by following this path is worth everything else. Whatever I have to give up, even my own life, it's worth it. Paul uses athletic language here. Hitting the goal, uh, getting the prize, the necklace around at the podium in eternity. Uh, this is what Paul was consumed with. 
The idea of the Lord saying to him, well done. That's the best anything anyone has to offer on the planet. You can tell me I can own all the banks in the whole world and I'll throw it away like trash if I can just hear, well done. Nothing else matters. All of it is refuse. You can't offer me anything on this earth like that. That's the reward. Fulfilling God's purpose comes with a great reward. And you know what? I want to say this too. Um, it's, it's not just the eternal reward that you get in eternity. The greatest life that you have to live, the most rewarding and fulfilling life that is available to you is to live according to your purpose. There's not a more fulfilling life. In fact, whatever you're chasing, you're trying to satisfy that. And you know what? The only thing that's going to ever satisfy you is living according to your existence given by God. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more rewarding. There is no life more rewarding than lining up with the purpose of Christ and your very existence in your life. And the reward is also in the here and now. Jesus even goes on to say, you've left father, mother, brother, sister, to all for my name. You'll not get a hundredfold in the life after. But then he also said, in this life too. You get a hundredfold of anything you give up to live your purpose for me. Anything that you give up, you're going to get a hundredfold. Even in this life, there is not a better pathway and option for you than to live in alignment with your exist, the reason for your existence given to you by God. Not a better life. I don't care what is offered to you. There's nothing better than that path. And I don't care what that path means. Serving the poor in India. Whatever that is, that is the absolute best path for you. Fulfillment, reward, all of it. It's the best. And there, everything else, much less than, much less than. And you starve at the end. Fulfilling God's purpose for your life comes with great reward then and now. And now. Next, fulfilling God's purpose for your life requires pressing. Pressing. Paul uses language here that showed that he viewed living his life daily on this path was a fight, an absolute fight, a brawl, the language he's using here. You know what? It's football season. These terms are totally appropriate for a football offense, trying to get the football to the end zone. Paul would say, right now, I got a football. Jesus said, get it to the end zone, and I got all this enemy staring at me. Well, what does it take? Pressing, pounding, pounding. Pounding, hitting, getting knocked down, getting back up, hitting, pressing. But he says, I am going to get this football in that end zone. Nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is going to deter me. I am going to press and to press and to press. That is the language Paul is using here. He says, press on means literally to pound forward like a military in those days. Make it my own, he says. Literally, that means to tackle, to seize, to grab, drag down. I make it my own. This is the language that Paul is using here about what it means to live a faithful life for Christ is it's hard. There are moments where it's hard. 
It's not easy. It, you feel like you're using every muscle in your body just to take a step. Straining forward to the goal is what Paul said here. And it is literally the picture of uh, you know, running back with a ball in his hand and he's five yards to the goal and he's got three guys on him. And there's three seconds in the game. Yeah, it's that picture. That strain, that straining to get across a line. This is the way Paul thinks about life faithful to Christ. Living out God's plan in your life will certainly require you to be a fighter. You must fight in your soul. You must fight in your mind, and you must fight in your world. It is a fight. I'm not saying fight like attack people, okay? Y'all know, y'all understand that, right? But I am talking about the, what it takes, the strength, inner strength that it takes to live out Christ's purpose for your existence will not just happen. Paul thought of it the way of saying, no, I, there's going to be challenges and obstacles all along the way. And I am going to be faithful to Christ. I'm going to um, exercise the strength that he gives me to meet every challenge, every obstacle. I'm going to get in the thick of it. I know it's going to get tough. And I am going to press in right there. And I am going to stay faithful even if it kills me. I'm going to be perseverant to Christ. The Christian life requires discipline. Paul's clear that the perspective, that's, if you don't have that perspective of the Christian life, he says you're immature. This is how we're to think about the Christian life. It's going to get tough. So be it. I am going to meet that with the grace of Jesus and the strength that he provides, and I am going to be faithful to him in that moment, in that temptation, in that urge to be distracted by something else, and whatever it might be, in the resistance I face in something he's calling me to be faithful in and lead in or whatever, I am going to stand there and I am going to stay faithful to him. So help me God. I will not be deterred. And I have to have this position. Uh, when you walk in, the, the, you know, the, the horrendous flood of resistance you face when you walk into your kid's bedroom on Sunday morning and say, get up, we're going to church. You know, is it, I am going to stand firm, you know? I'm going to not just go, well, I don't want to go. The football game does come on at 1220. He never finishes early. <laughs> you know, I don't know what his problem is, and I don't either. I'm with you. I'm with you. So let me move on, okay? So, you know, one sign that you know that children are children is... Um, they avoid any kind of path that creates stress. They don't want stress. They don't like pain. They don't like uh, having to, to uh, they want, children just want to quit and go do something else when it gets hard. Or they want to cry and moan and complain. And they only want to eat candy and ice cream. You know, that's the way you define a child. And that's what, what Paul is saying. If this is your view of the Christian life, you are immature in your faith. And you need to come along and let the Lord teach you. If you disagree with me in this, the Lord will train you up in what it looks like to be a mature Christian, fine. But you need to learn this principle, that it is going to take a fight in your life. Grow into that with the Lord. 
Next, fulfilling God's purpose for your life requires focus. Requires focus. There's a whole lot of things that you are pounded with to think about on a daily basis. From social media, to news, to work. There's a a thousand things to look at. Things that are just doing this all the time to your mind. And and things that you you could just get thrown off. You had better learn in a, in a chaotic world with media running everywhere to be able to do this for a time every day. And look at the Lord and look at his reward and look at this day and go, this is a day compartment you've given me. I don't have to own everything in the world. i got to own this day and being faithful to the Lord. That's all I have to do. This day. This next hour, this moment, this is what I have. I don't have to solve all the world's problems. I have to live faithfully right here in this compartment today. You need something. We call it a daily devotional. You can call it a quiet time. You can call it Bible reading, prayer, whatever you want to call it. And you can do it wherever you feel like you need to do it. Read Psalm 1, get you started there. But you need something in your day, especially today, more than ever before in human history. You have got to learn to focus. You know, a laser beam has a lot of power. And the reason it has power is because, you know, normal light, light goes everywhere in all directions all at once, right? Well, a laser takes light and hones it into one tiny focus. And it's able to blast through walls, it's able to burn things and all kinds of stuff. It has a lot of power. It goes a long way, too. Focus is powerful in the Christian life. And Paul says, I am 100% focused on him. And every day is brought into alignment with my focus on him. Daily, and I would encourage you in the morning, take time to just set your sights. Take time to set your sights. If you want to be faithful and you really want to not get distracted again or go off track, then daily set your sights on the Lord to stay faithful to him. Next, fulfilling God's purpose for your life requires forgetting. You better be good at forgetting. Ted Lasso, this is completely coming off my hip here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, goldfish. So what's the shortest memory on the, somebody help me, I'm drowning. He said, what's the happiest Mammal on the planet, goldfish, has a three-second memory, right? Okay, good. That was a disaster. So we'll, (laughs) let's just talk about Paul and not Ted Lasso, okay? He said, forgetting what lies behind. In other words, what he's saying is, is I, I I don't just like forget it. I don't pay attention to it. I don't think about it. I don't, I don't think about the past. And what he's talking about is his accomplishments, what he's talking about is all the things he's done. And he's like, I don't even think about that. I think about today. And I think about where he's called me. That's it. I don't think about the past. I don't think about the accomplishments I have or anything or anything that's happened in the past. I think about today and where he's taken me. And I focus on him. How many of you Texas fans just love sitting around talking about 2005 and not 2022? Right? You're like, okay, it's great to watch a game from 20. 20- 2005, it's great to watch it every once in a while and remember when, right? But you know good and well you want to be talking about now because you're tired of talking about 2005. You should have that same attitude when it comes to Christ. Same attitude. 
We cannot live victorious spiritual lives by always living or looking in the past and having something in the past hijacking today. Whether it's a failure, whether it's a victory, do not let the past hijack your now. You don't have to. Why? Christ has died. You are free. Even if you made a mistake, you are brought back in. You can come back in, confess and repent. You can enter in right now on the path. You do not have to have that thing chain-bolted to your neck the rest of your life. He died to sever that and to let you live free and victorious with him according to your purpose. In fact, he might even use it to make you someone you need to be to do what he's asking you to do. He'll use it for his glory. good questions to ask. Where am I right now in my life? What's driving me? It's good to process this. Have I settled for where I am? Am I pressing forward or I'm just, I'm good right here. I don't want to grow anymore. I'm a good Christian. I just like hang out. I want to come when I can and then all this. I, I don't want to take it serious. I just kind of like where I am. No problems. You know, you settle. Have you settled? One thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I press forward. I want everything that he has for me. Have you settled? Is something in my past crippling my now? Is something in my past crippling my now? Don't walk out of this room with that crippling you anymore. You're free in the Lord. That's why he died, so that you would live free, not, not attached to it. Confess it, repent it if you need to, let it go. Don't stay in a continual state of grief. You don't have to. Is something in my past crippling my now? Have I grown apathetic? Have you lost your fervor in the Lord? Do you have the fight? You know, was there a time maybe when you were like that football club in the middle, jumping up and down, yeah, rah, rah, for Christ, you know? You had that in your heart, you know? And now you're just kind of like, okay. You know, you feel that in your spirit. Paul was a man of fervor. Hit your heart white hot before the Lord once again. Pray. Ask him, Lord, my heart has gone cold. My heart has gone apathetic. Relight it. Relight it. Give me fervor. I can't do anything without you. Ask him for it. He'll do it. He'll meet you right there. If you feel any of these things, you don't have to leave this room continuing to feel these things anymore. Let's deal with him this morning. Let's deal with this stuff in our heart. And let's lean in. Let's press on. Talk to the Lord right here and right now during this response time. It will feel so good. This is a little painful process, but it's healing for your soul. And you need a whole soul to live a free life, faithful to the Lord. Let him minister to your soul this morning. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And the Lord, uh, we just pray that as this moment we sing this song, we pray, Lord, that our soul would receive relief, ministry of you, Holy Spirit, that we would give vent to the things that are burdening us and we would just pull them out and lay them on Calvary's cross. Lord, that you died for them. And Lord, we, we rekindle, we ask you to rekindle our fervor in you, our focus for you. 
We let go of things that might be driving us that have taken first place, and we ask your forgiveness. And Lord, right now, we just do all that business with you. Would you give our souls full vent right now and satisfy us, make us happy, fill us with joy, put our feet on the right path, on a rock, set our way straight, give us focus, and oh Lord, let us walk according to our purpose in you. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand with me all across the room. Let's sing to the Lord. Just do some business with him today.